Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hi, this is Donnie from DON, and you are listening to Concerts That Made Us. Rock on.
you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you now. We opened the show with Second Gear. It's off the album of the same name. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Uh, sure. Um, Second Gear is uh, a step up from my first album, Trial and Error, um, which Trial and Error was re- uh, worked on, recorded that through the pandemic. So um, Second Gear came about a year later. Um, I just uh, continued writing and recording and, and, and getting my, my skills up and everything. So Second Gear is uh, titled because it is the second album and the second gear is, you know, the next level, you know, like when you shift into the next gear, you know, it goes through your car or whatever. So, um, so that was the, uh, the mindset behind that. Ah. And as an instrumentalist, when it comes to making new music, what does your process look like? Um, well, uh, it starts with uh, a basic rhythm, um, and I usually get influences from other bands, naturally, uh, uh, just, you know, so whatever comes to mind, I'll, I'll start jotting down the, um, the rhythm for it. And then, and then as, as it goes along, I'll add the, the leads behind it. And I don't do any lyrics because, um, I didn't want to open up that Pandora's box where everybody's like, well, why are you singing about that? Why is this song about this? So I just wanted the music to speak for itself. One thing that's always intrigued me when it comes to instrumental musicians is how do you remember the music? Do you, you know, put it down in tablature form? Do you write it out as, you know, the usual music sort of, uh, not tabs, but notes, I suppose. Or do you record yourself playing along so that you can remember it? A little bit of all of the above there. So. What I'll do is I'll, I'll get a I'll get a basic rhythm, and I'll jot down the chords, uh, kind of like a chord chart, and then uh, and then that'll and then I'll just kind of stick with that. And then naturally, how I get it to stick in my head so I can remember it all is I'll just play it over and over and over like a broken record. Um, so and then as far as the leads go, it just comes naturally for me. Um, I'll, uh, once, once I get the basic key of the song, like if it's in the key of C or D or whatever, um, then I just, I go with my basic scales, my pentatonic scales, and then I just elaborate from there. I'll just come up with some, uh, some, some different leads and just go from there. And it, and it just kind of sticks with me. Ah, and the video now for second gear, I don't think there's a video out there that perfectly captures the vibe of a song so well you made it yourself at home didn't you i did uh using a uh, website called rotor um basically you can just get the clips and everything and and exactly what you just said i wanted something unique something different but something that has that energy uh for that for that song that kind of just like wow this is just high you know just high high gear high tech you know yeah um high octane if you will and uh and i wanted to stick with that so i basically found these clips that looks like everything's just going in at full speed and uh and i and i just wanted to uh come up with uh with with a basic uh a basic energy if you will to kind of just give that song some life. 
The you've released two albums worldwide, as you mentioned, Trial and Error, and then of course Second Gear. A lot kind of happened in the world between those two albums. How do you think you've changed or grown as a musician in the in the time that passed? Wow, um, that would be like well. First of all, I play for my church as well. Um, I play guitar for them, so that believe it or not, a lot of that inspiration for my music comes from believe it or not, some, some Christian music or some gospel or whatever you want to call it. Um, basically I'll take an idea, uh, of that Christian realm, if you will, and just start rocking it out, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like on the first album, I have this song called Celtic star and the basic rhythm of it, um, it was, was the inspiration was that song, um, by Corey Asbury called, uh, what was the name of his hit song? Now I can't remember off the top of my head. It'll come to me. (laughs) Uh, reckless love. That was the name of the song. So the, um, so the basic rhythm is similar to that. I mean, that was the inspiration, but I just went from there and that song, I don't know if you, uh, if you know this or not, but that song was dedicated and that's first of all, it's also the first song I ever wrote, but it was also dedicated to uh, if you remember the movie from the 80s called Poltergeist. I do. I do. The, the girl, the little girl that played in it. Well, yeah. she was in three movies, Heather O'Rourke. And uh, so I'm friends with her family. So I'm friends with her uncle and friends with her sister. So I wanted to do something for them just because they're great people. Um, and so it was kind of just and to keep her memory alive. So I kind of came up with that. And of course, uh, I have a video for that. And her family sent me the pictures that I used in the video for that. That's actually a lovely thing to do, especially now, you know, because she's, uh, you know, it was back in the 80s when she was famous and that tragedy happened, you know, so she wouldn't be at the forefront of people's minds anymore. So it's actually lovely to put something out there to keep her memory alive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and like I said, her family is very appreciative. They definitely lo- love it and everything. So, um, so yeah, it's just, I, you know, it's like, you know, everybody's like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, now that they hear the song and they see the pictures, I remember that, you know, kind of like you said, just kind of re-sparks that memory. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's another movie link as well with the the first album. The Terminator team. Now, The Terminator is one of my all-time favorite movies. Well, Terminator 2. But I actually didn't think the tune could get any cooler. I mean, you took it and you totally rocked it out. Yes. And uh, I use that song uh, to open uh, some of my shows. I've only done a few live shows, live gigs. Um, And that song, The Terminator, the theme there is what I use to start the show with, to get, to get the energy up, to get the crowd going. And, uh, it's been, it, it actually has been doing exactly that. It, it definitely gets the crowd fired up and <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's actually a wonder that no one, like since it's ever been released that no one else has ever had the idea of taking it and really, you know, rocking it up and making it something even cooler. Actually, there has been, oh, but really? I think this, you'll see videos and stuff on YouTube, but nothing was ever officially released. It's just these people on YouTube kind of just doing their own thing to it. But the problem, in my opinion, uh, for the, the way they do is they 
totally changed the arrangement. They they changed so it takes away from the feel of what it's supposed to be. You know that Terminator, that theme. That's you know it's just so I, I kind of kept it um, to the original composition. I just wanted to rock it out. <laughs> well, yeah, you certainly achieved that. So at this stage in the interview, we'll dive into your your music history to give people a sense of where you come from. So if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, you're going to laugh because my musical taste in over the years have has changed immensely. Like when I was a kid growing up, um, I was... Well, I guess because, you know, you always listen to what your parents listen to. And my and my parents were huge Bee Gees fans. So it started ah. with the Bee Gees. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then growing up, I got into middle school and then my taste changed again. And I started listening to Missing Persons. I was a huge fan of them in my junior high years or my middle school. Uh, it was called junior high back then. Um, and then I didn't start getting to the hard rock until I got to high school, probably around ninth or 10th grade. I started listening to Metallica and Iron Maiden. And uh, I think Striper was one of my influences as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad mix there. And, you know, growing up in your early years, did you grow up in a very musical house? You know, was there lots of support at home for music? Well, it's funny you say that. Actually, yes. Um, my grandmother played organ and she played for her church growing up. And then my mother, she was a singer and she actually cut a a 45, um, which my I don't even have a copy of it anymore. I think my uh, my uncle does up in Ohio. But um, she she cut a uh, it was two songs. And, and it's kind of like the. I don't know. I guess you want to call it the country realm or something like that. It was, it was kind of country has that feel to it. Um, so, uh, so she did. And then, but she never really took off with it. You know, she never really had it. I want to say publish or maybe she did, but it just, that's all she ever did. Just that one forty-five, two songs. And then that's as far as that went. I mean, as I grew up, it kind of, fell off, you know, fell off the edge of the earth and nobody ever heard of it after that. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, during your teen years, then what was your local music scene like for gigs and for bands? Wow. Um, well, for me, uh, because I had strict parents, I didn't get to go out too much, but I did have friends that started little garage bands, if you will. So I used to listen to those, um, you know, down the street, there was a few times uh, when I turned 21, I, I was stationed in Germany. I was in the army at that time. So over in Germany, um, I started going to the clubs and everything like that, you know. But as far as live music, uh, the only time I, I did that was when I went to concerts. Nice segue. As a, as a concert Gordon, what concerts would you say have made you? Wow. Um, I would say my biggest, my favorites, if you will, Queensryche is a number one fan of mine. Um, and, uh, and I'm a fan of theirs. I should say, I actually got to talk to Casey Grillo, uh, who's the drummer of the band. Uh, I talk to him every now and again on Instagram through the messenger there. Um, so they're actually coming in about two weeks to my local venue here. 
And, uh, and also I would have to say dream theater, probably be a, another favorite for going to concerts. But as far as my influences, like what, you know, like who do I want to model after, or, or at least, you know, go on that path. Um, I, I really, really, really likes Joe Satriani. I really love what he does. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't ever guessed. <laughs> he's an instrumental guitarist too and i've been listening to him since the 1980s since the surfing the alien album came out and um and i kind of like always like was every time i see us i've seen him in concert my jaw just drops it's like watching him play is like it's like watching a magician do something that nobody <laughs> else has ever done and it's just like wow, how do you do you know it's like so i i was like i probably will never get his level but i want to do what he does you know yeah yeah exactly and when it comes to concerts then what makes a good show for you what do you look for in a concert um i would say now number one the band has to be good so naturally but as far as the show i would have to say you'd have to have a good lighting show um some people say pyrotechnics and it does help it's not a necessity but um I'm not like, like, for example, you know, kiss, that's all they are is pyrotech. And <laughs> yeah. after, after a while, it just, you know, I don't care if you have all show and all pyrotech and all laser, all that good stuff, you know, the band has to be there with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's no point in having all that stuff. If it, uh, if the band can't actually play well. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So for, uh, but I think the majority of it would be a good sound because I've been to some concerts where it's just sounds so muffled or so muddy and you like the singer, you can't understand a thing he's saying, if he's saying anything at all. And then the music it's just so distorted. So I think sound would be the second most important thing is to get that sound just right. Yeah. Yeah. You actually made me think of something I don't think I've ever thought of before. I wonder how many of these legendary bands, if you strip away all the stage show and the pyrotechnics and everything and just put them in a room playing bare, how good would they really be? That's exactly my, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I would say there's probably a lot of bands and it's funny I say this because I've been to a few shows. I don't really want to name names because I don't <laughs> want to start any trouble. But I've been to a couple concerts where it's like, uh, this is horrible. You know, uh, the singer couldn't hold a tune very well. Um, very pitchy, very off key. Um, I've been where the band was like, I, I mean, I've heard, um, what do they call those, um, uh, tribute bands in a bar play better, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it, it is a huge, a huge thing to have that sound just right and you know and and have the the players uh, be on top of the game yeah yeah it is it really is and for any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows then what can they expect well i haven't done a lot of shows uh because i'm still kind of new at this um but uh what you will expect is number one i'm going to be on my game as best as i can be as far as my playing um, as far as, uh, sounds, I'm, I'm a very stickler on having that sound just right. So, uh, you're going to get probably the best sound as you can with a live show. And then hopefully, uh, if I get with the right people, the lighting will be where it needs to be as well. <laughs> and have you got your backing band fully sorted? 
Um, I've got a drummer and a bass guitarist. I'm still looking for another lead guitarist as a second lead. I had one before, but the guy kind of flaked on me, and so he's no longer with us. So, uh, so once I get that back on track and get another lead guitarist, then yes, I'm I'm planning on starting to do some shows and starting to tour because I'm starting to get offers in with the record label. So I just got to so I just got to get the band uh, get the band finalized and polished up, and then uh, so hopefully, hopefully, hopefully by uh, maybe by fall. I'll be I'll be ready to hit the road and do at least do some local shows anyway. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And out of the gigs you've played, is there one you would revisit as maybe the perfect gig? Hmm, the perfect gig. Wow. I've never really thought about that because um every every time I play, I try to give it give it my all give it my best but um the last show i played was in bartow and it was a comic-con festival and uh it was uh the sci-fi bartow is what they call it and uh, and i got to close the show i got to be the headliner there so the crowd was great uh the opening band actually kind of loved what i did so i only got to play like 40 minutes which is fine you know i don't mind that but uh, i would say that was probably one of the better better gigs i've done so i i i really really enjoyed that one ah, and to flip it around then is there a gig that maybe didn't go so well and how did you overcome it um actually it wasn't really a, a gig with my music it was more like uh one of the one of the things i played at church and it kind of like i i forgot some of the music so, uh, so what I did to overcome it, instead of um, playing the chords and everything, I just did what I call sprinkles, uh, which is a bunch of just uh, improvised leads in the key that the song is in. So I kind of just made up my own little lead on top of what was everything else was playing. To um, but it's it in at the end, it still came out pretty well. Ah, and you know the whole process now of being a musician, whether it's recording the music, playing gigs, you know, what's your favorite part? What part when you get to it, are you like, okay, I can close my eyes and go on autopilot. This is how comfortable I am with it. Wow. Uh, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, as far as rhythm chords and things like that, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of music I know how to play. A lot of covers I can do where I could pretty much do it with my eyes closed and not even think about it. But as far as my own music, I mean, every time I go out there and I play, even though I wrote the music and, and it's, I you know, it's just been recorded and I did everything. And it's like that, that's there's still that that nervousness of, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, what if I mess this up? And what if I do, the, you know, there's all, all that what ifs going through your head. So um, as far as like just being able just to close my eyes, not even think about it, you know, playing it like second nature. Um, honestly, I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, I don't know if I ever will be. I don't know if I ever want to be because I always want to be conscious about, oh, man, I don't want to mess this up. I want I want to get it right every time or, as you know, as best as I can. You know, as as a musician at your level, then how do you approach finding gigs and, as you mentioned before, hopefully setting up tours? 
Um, well, the as of now, where I'm at now with the record label, they're the ones that sends me the offers for the tours. But before I got with the record label, how I did is I would just get there is a few Facebook groups and um, and I actually went on there and, um, you know, submitted some of my songs. And I says, hey, you know, this is what I do. So if you need a band for whatever or if you need, you know, and I've, I've actually played with tracks behind me instead of a full band where I, I played on top of the tracks. Um, I've done that too. And, um, and, and that's actually, uh, an alternative what, you know, NASA, you want a full band, but you know, if the band's not available, tracks are something that you can do as well. Um, and I've done that and, uh, and it seems, it seems to go over well. So yeah, to, to go back to your question, um, basically just through Facebook groups or, or things like that. And, and then actually that sci-fi gig I did, um, the guy who runs that show um, started listening to my, I guess he found my music on YouTube or wherever he found it. So he started following me. And the next thing you know, he offered that gig to me. So I, I jumped on it. I'm not surprised. And when it comes to gigs, then what's your pre-show and post-show ritual? How do you psych yourself up? And then how do you wind down afterwards? Psyching myself up is an all day thing. <laughs> so as I'm, I mean, I'm psyching myself up driving to the venue. I mean, going to these places. So it's, it's like, um, you just have, you know, you just, I mean, I'll sit there and I'll actually play my own CDs in my car listening, you know, all the way there just to make sure I have the song in my head. So I'm not like, you know, when I get there and the song is like, Oh man, how's this song go again? <laughs> So, uh, so that's basically what I'm doing. I'm kind of just like listening to my own stuff, kind of just trying to keep it fresh in my mind. And then the other thing is, um, to wind down, basically that, that, that's another thing. Cause after the show, you know, the, you, the excitement's still going and, you know, it takes a couple hours for that excitement to wear off. So, um, usually I just go off and, uh, you know, after the show, after I meet, you know, whoever wants to, you know, autographs or buy a CD or whatever, um, kind of just, okay, let's go to the local, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say bar, but it's more of a restaurant. We'll get dinner, but I have a few drinks with my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. And how do you approach getting your music out there to new listeners? I imagine it's a bit harder than, say, the traditional band who has lyrics and a singer and stuff like that it is a lot harder yes you are right um how i did it was um i released my my first two albums through cd baby and they actually help you get your music on the, all the digital platforms like spotify but but they don't promote you they just get you there you have to do your own promotions and everything so that was like um very difficult so because Unless you have a million friends uh, on your Facebook or your social media and that is willing to share your music and kind of help you get your music out there. Because I have a lot of friends, but they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. But that was it. They, you know, they didn't share. Well, maybe a did. So um, and then, of course, so, you know, I tried to do it as, as much as I can. I actually got a uh, on, on my car in the back window. I've got the website to my uh, <laughs> to, to the music. You know, I put that on there. So uh, 
you know, that's the best thing. That, I think the best thing I did was partnering with the music label because they can actually get you out there, get you on the radio, get you, you know, where you need to be. So um, I would say for anybody starting out, um, you know, just go with, you know, get it out there as best you can on your own. But as soon as you can, you know, uh, sum, submit your music, submit your stuff to, you know, different record labels because you never know what's going to happen. You know, somebody eventually is going to um, is going to contact you. And then from there, it's uh, it's all it's all good from there. <laughs> exactly. I'm always saying if you work hard enough at something in the end, it will pay off no matter how long it takes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like I said, I've been doing this. This is year three for me recording. I've been playing guitar for about nine years. Um, so, but as far as writing and recording, this is year three for me. And then, so, and it's just starting to happen for me. Things, things, the doors are starting to open now. So yeah, you said patience is virtue. Um, and you know, patience and then share your music, you know, get it out there. And then just do your best as far as like social media is probably the best way to um, to get it out there. But the more friends you have and hopefully they're, you know, uh, you know, friendly enough to help you help you get your music out there. So they share with their friends and, you know, kind of do the pyramid thing like that. But, uh, it, but you know, but, you know, just like you said, just, you know, sit, sit tight. Don't get frustrated. Take your time because um, it will happen. It'll get out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when it comes to your music career, then how do you measure success? Six. Um, I would have to say, and it's not, and a lot of people are like, Oh, by how much money? No, it, for me, it's not about how much money I'm making. It's more like how much of the music is getting out there for me. Uh, a success for me would just be like, if j just let it out there, let, let all, all the radio stations play it. You know, I could, I mean, not saying I don't want to make money on it, but uh, naturally I would say that, you know, I do it for the music. I do it for the passion. I enjoy playing. I enjoy writing. Um, so for me, this, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Feeds your soul, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Kind of gives you that feeling of accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. And say in 30 or 40 years time, then when you look back, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, that what I did mattered, um, that the music people enjoyed it. Um, and the, uh, you know, I would say just kind of just do what, like what all the other musicians are doing. Um, you know, get, get your music out there, play for as many people as you can and just, uh, enjoy the ride. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then. Tell us your future plans, gigs, music, whatever is locked in for you. Wow. Um, as of right now, I'm working on a third album. I got the first song for the third album recorded. Um, I'm probably going to hit the studio again in about uh, maybe in about two weeks to work on the second song. Um, so for this year, um, my my goal is to get um, get a new album out there, hopefully by early 2024. And then as far as gigs go, um, well, once I get the band locked in and get it, you know, where I want it, uh, do as many gigs as I can. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. What can people expect from the upcoming album then? What can you tell us about it? 
Uh, it's it's going to be even better than this uh, second year. Uh, trial and error. Well, I look at this way. I, I'm trying to improve myself with every album. I want to I want to be better. I want it to be more uh, more aggressive, if you will. I'm not saying I want a death metal album or anything like that, <laughs> because I'm more creative. I like to do the the melodies and and that kind of stuff. Um, now there will be some hard songs on there. I mean, I, you know, all, all in all, I, at the end of the day, I'm still a metal head or hard rock guy. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, as far as what's can be expected, uh, well, we had trial and error. Second gear was like shifting into second gear, you know, the next level. So the third album is going to be even, even it was like shifting into third, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be even better. Good, good. I can't wait to hear it now. I'm looking forward to it. We'll, uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions. So if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? You know what? Rush. I never got to see Rush. And now that, you know, Neil Burt passed and, um, I would say, yeah, Rush. Rush has always been um, not my number one favorite, but it's always been up there because Getty Lee and and the the band as what they were, they were a three piece band from Canada, and what they did was just amazing. Now, of course, um, the music that I like, everybody's like, oh, you like the first album or you know, Fly By Night and all that. And I'm like, no, nah, I really didn't start getting into them until they changed their style with uh, permanent waves and then moving pictures and, you know, that style um, that for me, I think was, uh, was their, their turning point and in, in into the direction that of the kind of music that I enjoy. Uh, so, so they had some grace, but yeah, if, if, if I could go back or if I could, you know, see any band, that would probably be it, be the band to see. Yeah, yeah, to be a good one. All right. I find with Rush, with the majority of people, they're like you, they won't be their number one band, but they're the type of band that I feel like everybody, no matter what genre of music you're into, everybody knows their songs. And if it comes on the radio, you'll automatically sing along. You sing along and then you'll turn the music up because it's like, oh, yeah. there's that song. Oh, I love this. You know? Yeah, yeah, but exactly. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the next one. So if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be? <laughs> That's a toss up because there's two that come to mind. But I would say Joe Satriani, because I think I could probably learn from him. Um, and I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he taught like Steve I and he's taught a few other guitarists, you know, Kirk Hammett from Metallica. He was actually a teacher. So I think for me, he would be the one that I would love to be locked in a room and just and just pick his brain, you know, and just learn, you know, get some get some techniques from him and things. I think that would probably, uh, number one, be beneficial. But I think that would be just amazing. Yeah. Incredibly valuable. Yeah. And the final one. So what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Soundtrack to my life. Wow. That would have to be. That's a tough question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would. I think if if like on my own music on the new album, there's a song called Driver X. I think it kind of fits like 
my my personality and and who I am, even though there's no lyrics, so there's no meaning to it as far as you know. But but as far as like the the feel to it, and the it just kind of like that's who I am. I mean, that song kind of like drives me. Hence <laughs> the name Driver Rex. <laughs> Perfect has to be that one. So listen, Donny, it's been an absolute blast. Now I've really enjoyed getting an insight into your music. Hey, Brian, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was wonderful. And uh, we'll have to have you back on when you release the next album and get the lowdown on it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, like I said, expect expect bigger things because uh, bigger things are coming.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.